just gets better and better and better. Good to see you today, and it's a great day to be here. The sun is shining some today. That's always a nice thing, I think. And spring is not far away. In fact, I guess just about a week away, and then it's officially spring. I don't know whether that's Sounds good to you, but it does sound good to me, so I'll just let you know it since I'm the one up here and I get to say what I, I want to say for right now until somebody starts throwing rocks and causes it to quit. I'm glad to be with you today, and I want to share with you, I think, a lesson that is important. Not that any of them aren't, I just want to say that up front, that may be garner a little attention. I call the lesson, In God We Trust. Sounds like a familiar phrase, doesn't it? In God We Trust. I bet you've seen that one before. In God we trust. Well, those of us who are old enough to still actually carry cash, you know, some people don't carry cash anymore, and so they don't, they don't see that phrase very often. But those of you, if you've seen any money lately, uh, even a little bit of money, you've probably seen that phrase, in God we trust. I want to point, to you, point you to a couple of passages, and then let's talk about trust, and let's talk about trusting God for the next little while. In Psalm 118 and verse 8, the psalmist writes, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I kind of double that down with a verse just a little bit prior to what Kyle was mentioning a little while ago. In the first verse of the 14th chapter when he says, "Let Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. It kind of poses a question that I I like to throw out there every now and then and like to think about every now and then, who do you trust? Who is it that you really trust? You know, in my mind, it seems to me that there is kind of a fine line between trust and distrust. Now, that may sound odd to you. You may say, wait a minute, I don't know what you're talking about there. Well, just think about it in a minute. There are people that you trust to do certain things. Think about it. You, you trust basically drivers to stay on their own side of the road for the most part to stay on their own side of the road we trust people who make the products that we use every day the prepared foods that we that we eat and so forth we trust the repair person to fix the thing that they're supposed to be fixing generally speaking what whatever is broken we trust the doctor to have the remedy or prescribe what we need for us we trust the teacher whoever that might be to teach and if that person is teaching to do so in a in a good way we trust the postal carrier used to say mailman but we can't say mailman anymore that's uh, politically incorrect but the postal carrier carrier why did I even throw that in there anyway but we trust the postal carrier to deliver the mail to the appropriate place and put it in there and you say well these are all dumb things Russ yeah we trust a lot of people to do a whole lot of things that we know they've done that we believe they can do the thing is we trust people to do what we know they have done can do but we don't trust those same people to do what we don't know they can do or know that they can't do you know what I mean that's the fine line between trust and distrust and so think about the word for a moment and think about how we we think about that word trust because it's one of those that's uh, kind of a little bit hard to define in its own way but yet we know trust when we feel it when we have it or when it's 
extended to us, we know and we, we hold on to that. We know what we mean by that. It's kind of like being able to go to sleep in a car when somebody else is driving. It means you trust whoever's driving that car. It's something that can be held at a challenging time. It's that strong hand that holds on to yours when you need a hand to hold on to. It's what I believe the psalmist called in this verse that we read a matter of confidence. It is an investment in confidence because trust brings encouragement. It brings comfort. It even brings motivation to do and to act in certain ways. That's what trust is and what it does. And so maybe you've heard the phrase, and sometimes we hear this phrase, if you love me, you will, and then fill in the blank. But I think a more accurate rendering of the statement is, if you trust me, you will. For trust really is an application of love as well as an application of faith. Those are tied together, I believe. But if you trust me, you will. So let's think a little bit about trusting God. Let's think about trust of God because trust of God can be one of the most easy things in the world and it can be one of the most hard things that we'll ever face. When we start talking about trusting God, it doesn't always come easy and yet sometimes it is just the natural thing. It, it sometimes is challenged because we think about God is not our servant to do whatever we want him to do, whenever we want him to do it, kind of like the genie in the lamp. You've got to do whatever I tell you to do. It doesn't happen that way. And sometimes when we're wanting God to act a certain way, that's not the way we see the response. And so sometimes we feel like maybe our trust is not, not being fulfilled in that regard. And trust is difficult in God when... Things in our lives are not going the way we think they should go in our lives. In the 14th chapter of Matthew, in Matthew's 14th chapter, there's that story of Jesus walking towards his disciples on the water. You remember the story after the feeding of the, the 5,000 and all of that. And you go back and read that 14th chapter and you'll see what I'm talking about. And Jesus comes walking across the stormy, wind-blown waters and the disciples are a little bit afraid, and they, they say, maybe this is the Spirit. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is I. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come walking to you on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come on. Simon Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk toward Jesus on the water. But he didn't walk very far before his trust in Jesus failed him. And he began to sink. Now, I will note, and I want you to note, that his trust wasn't completely gone because who did he call to when he began to sink? Lord, save me, he says. And so there was a trust in Jesus, but where was that trust? And there was a line of differentiation. As I said a while ago, it's a fine line between trust and distrust. As Peter looks at the water, and walk on, people don't walk on water. He begins to sink, but he calls to the Lord. Jesus is still walking on the water. Anyway, you get the picture of all that. But what I think I'm telling you in the challenge of dealing with trust in our lives, it's in the midst of storm, challenge, trial, that trust is on trial. You see, we tend to look at God from very human terms. 
We think of God in, in many ways like ourselves. We tend to see God in those human terms, and so we want him to show us a reason that we would trust, a reason to believe, if you want to put it that way. We want to trust God, I believe. We want to extend trust, and we want to extend trust to God. But sometimes we struggle with it. I always think about the picture of that man as, his son was possessed of the spirit and the disciples had not been able to cast out the spirit in that case. But, and Jesus comes along and the man is pleading with Jesus about his son. And Je Jesus tells the man, Mark 9, tells the man, if you believe, all things are possible. And listen to the words of the man in verse 24, Mark 9. Listen to the words of the man. He says, I believe... But help my unbelief. In other words, he sees that, that line of difference between trust and distrust. He sees what's there. And he recognizes the challenge that's there that divides the two. And so as we think about that word trust and we try to apply it to God, I think about where we find that word trust. And as I mentioned, we find it on our money. It was 1956. It had already been put on coins. But in 1956, Dwight Eisenhower signed the law that put that motto, in God we trust, on all our currency. So since 1956, it has been on American currency and continues to be there. People fight against it and so forth, but that's another story. But isn't it somewhat, is ironic the right word? Maybe it's somewhat ironic that we put in God we trust on money that is printed and distributed through a government and its, um, and its value is placed not by God, but by the world and the world governments. It's kind of a piece of irony. I maybe that goes off in a far field, if you will. But I think about that. We say, in God we trust on money. Just kind of a piece of irony in that regard. But it does, I think, getting outside of that, what it does in that motto being there reminds us that we want, even governmentally, even nationally, individually, we want something greater than ourselves in which to invest our trust. I think that may have been what Solomon was getting at in Ecclesiastes 3 when you get down to verse 11, when he talks about he's put eternity in our hearts but we can search out the works of God, but we can't begin to fathom beginning to end of those, those things. We just have to trust him. That's what Solomon was getting at. Or maybe like Jesus said when his disciples said, what about us? After the rich young ruler had gone away, what about us? Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with God, you know the rest of it, all things are possible. We want something greater than ourselves to lean upon, and that's trust. And so trust is something of a two-way street, kind of a two-edged sword, if you want to put it that way. It is a two-way street because it is an investment. You must allow yourself to become vulnerable. You've got to put yourself out there on the edge and allow yourself to be put in that somewhat struggling position but it is also a receiver, for it looks for the return, for the blessing that comes that way. Perhaps it is 
in that valley of the shadow of death that David writes about, that we begin to learn the value of, our, of what our trust in God really, really is. I think Paul agreed with that when he talked about, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, kept my faith. And he points out others have gone other places, but he says, but the Lord is with me, the one who will give me that, that crown of righteousness. The Lord is with me throughout all these things. But where does that leave you and me? That leaves us with trying to figure out how to fully trust God. That's a challenge for us. That's a real challenge for us to figure out how can we trust God. Because we want to do that. We want to build trust by building faith in God. But it does present something a challenge. Because as I already stated, we tend, we tend to place limits on our trust in God. Going back to that idea, there's a fine line between trust and distrust. And whether we want to accept it or we want to really believe it's within us or not, we struggle with that very thing of where to trust God and where not to trust God. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to say it. But even we as Christians do that. Christians tend to trust God. We tend to trust God with heaven. We tend to trust God with eternal life. But sometimes we have a hard time trusting God with what goes on in our lives every day. Maybe a, somewhat of an example of that is Jesus when he went to the sisters of Lazarus after Lazarus had died. You may remember that account in John 11 as, as Jesus goes to visit Mary and Martha because his friend Lazarus has died, and he, and he goes and finds those sisters of Lazarus, and each one of them, each one of them, when they face Jesus, you remember what each one of them said to Jesus? If you've read that story, you'll remember. They said, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Now, Martha goes a little bit further in her statement. says, but we even know God will give you whatever you want. We know God is with you is, in essence, what she's saying. But Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother will live again. You know what she says? She says, I know, I know he will live in the resurrection. I know he will rise in the resurrection. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. She didn't foresee Jesus doing something in that day. She didn't see him opening the grave. She didn't see, foresee him bringing Lazarus back to life. She didn't foresee those things. We trust God with eternity. We trust God with heaven. But sometimes we have trouble trusting God with the power of life, the power of who we are, the power of what we do, the power of this world right here and right now. And I don't know whether it's the answer to it, but maybe we, we limit God to some degree because we fear what it will require of us or how it will put us out there. You understand what I mean? If we start trusting that to God, then we've got to start listening to God in everything. We need to recognize what God wants us to be and wants us to do. And therefore, we have to lean upon God in a bigger way than we have ever imagined. I'm not sure we see the picture clearly, but that kind of gets into our minds, I think. I had a fellow that I used to work with to some degree and... and we would talk about these things, and he'd say, but God knows how busy I am. That was his, his reason or excuse from not going to worship, not really. He's a good person, but not practicing an active Christian life. 
God knows how busy I am. In other words, the world is wrapped up in my thinking and how I deal with these things. And I think sometimes, even as Christians, we get not very far from that. And so what does that do? That leaves us with something. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about trusting God? We need to develop a to-do list. So that's where we're going to go here for the next couple of minutes. I want you to recognize I need a to-do list. How in the world am I going to have build my trust in God? I need a to-do list. Well, let's get to number one. Number one, I'm going to determine to trust. And I'm going to determine to trust God. The choice is yours. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. Trust just happens. Kind of love just happens. No, infatuation happens and uh, benefit happens. But trust is a determination, just like love. The choice is yours. Regardless of what other people are doing, you choose what you're going to do. You make the choice if you're going to trust in God. You make the choice if you're going to believe in him. You make that choice. Picture the young shepherd boy, David, as he goes and he says, I'll face that giant. And when he's brought before the king, when he is brought before King Saul, you listen to the words of David as he describes, here's what I've done in the past, but when he stands before the king, and the king is trying to tell him, you can't do this, David says, let no man's heart be fearful. I will face the giant. He'd do what others wouldn't even begin to think about doing. Now, you talk about trust. Make a determination to trust. Number two, oops, got to have two fingers. Number two, take a leap of faith. Read a couple of books in the past, psychological books, religious books in that regard, in the idea of a leap of faith. For a long time, I didn't understand what in the world the leap of faith was. Maybe because I didn't know what faith was. When the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us faith is substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, he's telling us, in other words, you've got to step out where confidence is not very easy. Take a leap of faith. Or, in television vernacular, go where you've never gone before. Step on ground you've never stepped on before. Be like Abraham, who went out, Hebrews 11, 8, who went out not knowing where he was going. He knew he was following, he knew where he was going to go, but not knowing where he was going. When I say he knew where he was going to go, he was going to go with God. But not knowing the path, except that he was going to follow God, see? So take that leap of faith. Trust puts us out there. If you wait until everything's always settled, completely done, everything's done for you, that's not faith. Faith is doing what you trust. Number three, number three, deal with your doubts. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said talking about faith and now we're talking about doubts. You're going to have them. Whether we like to admit them or not, we have them. They affect us. They affect what we do and how we do it. They affect how we look at God. 
because we are very human about these things, aren't we? We struggle sometimes with, with that concept of being able to apply things exactly like we'd like to. I'm not, that's just us. That's the way we are. We want the best. We strive for the best. We believe in God. But sometimes we're going to deal with some doubts about how to manage that. How do we do that? Deal with your doubts by looking at what God has shown you. Why in the world do we have all these pages of this book? Why in the world do we have all this history behind us? So that we can be blessed with the opportunities of trusting faith. So that we don't allow those doubts, whether they're large or whether they're just small, insignificant things, so that we don't let those doubts inhibit us in any way in being and doing what we need to be and what we need to do. When Peter and, and Jesus got into the boat, he looks at Peter and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Think about that. Why did you doubt? Don't let the doubts. It's all right for Peter to look at and say, Boy, it's sure stormy out here, but I'm going to trust Jesus. People aren't supposed to walk on water, but I'm going to trust Jesus. Instead, he sank until Jesus pulled him out. Don't let doubts, don't let doubts deter you. Don't let doubts, big or small, deter you. Deal with them. Be honest about them and deal with whatever doubts come into your life. Number four, number four, focus on blessings. Not just the ones that we have in the past, but focus on what is yet ahead. Remember the words of Paul I mentioned a little while ago in 2 Timothy 4? Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's what he said. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me. I don't have it yet, but there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day. Focus on the blessing. Focus on the finish of the race. Run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Run it. See the benefit that lies ahead of you. In John chapter 1, it says Jesus came to his own in verse 11, and his own did not receive him. But the very next verse says that those that did receive him, those that did believe in him, those that did express faith in him, to them he gave the power, the right to become his children, his family, a part of him. Isn't that, isn't that looking at the blessing? So focus on the blessing, and it keeps you moving forward in your trust. One more, number five. Number five, look for the bigger picture. In other words, don't get lost in the moment. Don't get caught up in just this moment or this bad thing or something. He says, oh, oh, it's me, it's terrible, it's terrible. Don't get lost in the moment. Even the best sometimes get lost in the moment. You're traveling along and suddenly, oh, man, everything is useless, everything's worthless, it's broken, it's no good, it's ruined. No, it's not. Moses was probably one of the most outstanding men ever live on the earth and yet Moses gave in to the moment numbers chapter 20 the Lord said go 
speak to the rock. Basically, he was goes to go and identify God is going to bring forth water from this rock. Moses was frustrated. Moses was angry. He was tired of the people. He was at a bad moment in his life. And he said, look what we've got to do. We've got to bring water for you. And he reached out and struck the rock. God brought water anyway. But Moses missed the point. He was caught up in the moment and missed the bigger picture and missed the promised land. Look for the bigger picture beyond the moment in which the struggle, the doubt, the trial is on you and build your trust in him. Maybe a good example is Job. As you think about it, Job lived a blessed life until the devil turned it completely upside down, destroyed so much about his life, turned him inside out, but still in the midst of all that was going wrong in Job's life, he refused to remove God. He questioned why it was happening and all of that, but he refused to remove God because Job said, I cannot be that kind of hypocrite. Listen to the words. Listen to the words. Job 13, verse 15 and 16, though he slay me, Job says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He shall be my salvation. Where's his trust? In God. For a hypocrite could not come before him. You see, keep the bigger picture in mind. Don't lose sight of what God is doing. Make a determination to trust. Take a leap of faith. Deal with your doubts. Focus on the blessing and look for the bigger picture. Those are steps to building a good trust in God. If you want to be honest, my friends, we have to recognize that we are treading. We are treading on new ground every single day. It has taken trusting faith to bring us safe thus far. And we must be convinced that whatever comes our way with trusting faith, that will. What does the song say? Lead us home. Trusting faith in God. Man, we got to believe it. If nothing else, you say, well, what other course have I got? But there's so much there. And that's what makes it full and rich. Isn't that what makes life valuable? In God, we trust. We're going to sing this song of encouragement this morning. Hopefully, the, if you have a need, you would be willing to share that need. If you need something this morning, you need to come in a public way, we want you to please do so. I want you to feel free to do so. The opportunity is yours. Let us remind ourselves that the open door of our Lord is a blessing to our lives and the salvation rests only in Him. If you've never been baptized into Christ, consider that very need. If you need to study some more, let us study with you. If you need to know more, let us work with you. If you need to be baptized today, let us share that great moment with you. If there's someone who needs to come this morning, let this be your invitation and your opportunity to do so while we stand, while we sing together.